A very warm welcome to the podcast Hearers of the Word, offered by Kieran O'Mahony. This is the fourth in a series to accompany the Synod in Rome, and our reading is taken from 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 to 5. And in this series, we've been focusing on the second reading, listening to the voice of the early church. Number one, background. Although Paul moved from Philippi to Thessalonica, the first letter to the Thessalonians is the earlier document, in fact, the earliest Christian document to come down to us. Paul and his fellow workers were in the city long enough to set up a community of faith with some rudimentary leadership structures, see 1 Thessalonians 5, 12-13. It seems all the new believers at that point were Gentiles. Following his pastoral strategy, the apostle eventually moved on first to Athens and from there to Corinth. In the meantime, something happened to the little community of faith, some kind of persecution or oppression on account of the word, for which they were not prepared. Naturally, they appealed to Paul, who, for whatever reason, was unable to respond by coming in person to their disappointment and even disillusionment. Eventually, Paul sent Timothy from Athens, and the present letter is his response to the report and questions which Timothy brought back with him from Thessalonica. Apart from the greeting and thanksgiving, 1 Thessalonians 1-10, to Paul devotes chapters 2-3 to to restoring the good relationships previously enjoyed with the Thessalonian Christ believers. Number two, the reading, 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 to 5. From Paul, Silvanus and Timothy to the church in Thessalonica, which is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, wishing you grace and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We always mention you in our prayers and thank God for you all and constantly remember before God our Father how you have shown your faith in action, worked for love and persevered through hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. We know, brothers and sisters, that God loves you and that you have been chosen because when we brought the good news to you, it came to you not only as words, but as power and as the Holy Spirit and as utter conviction. The greeting at the start underlines that Paul is not working alone, but also with an apostolic inner team, this time with Silvanus, Silas and Timothy. The thanksgiving in Paul's letters serves to connect again with the recipients and also to anticipate something of the discussion to follow. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9-10 indicates how the rest of the letter will go. In the earlier verses, Paul is keen to do two things. First of all, to remind them that they are part of his relationship with God and that he prays for them all, always and everywhere. To be told that someone prays for you is always uplifting, not to mention that you are part of that person's relationship with God. It amounts to a deep assurance that contrary to their recent experience, they matter enormously to Paul himself. 
The next two moments are moments of affirmation. As commonly recognised, Paul always affirms before instructing the so-called indicative and imperative dynamic. The first affirmation is shaped around a favourite triad of Paul, faith, hope and love. In that order, here. Their faith is real. They are living the command to love and they are persevering in hope. He goes on to affirm their true identity as Christ's believers, as evidenced in three important things, power, the Holy Spirit, and utter conviction. All three are important because they are experiential, a real experience, recognised by Paul that the believers are truly in Christ. Today's Gospel, number three, is a good reminder that the good news is to be lived in the real world without being absorbed by the world around us. Our reflection is taken from the Synodal Working Document, this time simply from paragraph 6, so quite early in the document. To the Synodal Assembly we bring the fruits gathered during the listening phase. First of all, we've experienced the joy expressed in the sincere and respectful encounter between brothers and sisters in the faith. To meet each other is to encounter the Lord who is in our midst. Thus we were able to touch with our own hands the Catholicity of the Church, which in the variety of ages, sexes and social conditions manifests an extraordinary wealth of charisms and ecclesial vocations and is the custodian of a treasure trove of differences in languages, cultures, liturgical expressions and theological traditions. In effect, this rich diversity is the gift of each local church to all the others. And the synodal dynamic is a way to appreciate and enhance this rich diversity without flattening it into uniformity. Similarly, we have discovered that there are shared questions, even if synodality is experienced and understood in a variety of ways in different parts of the world on the basis of a common inheritance of the apostolic tradition. Part of the challenge of synodality is to discern the level at which it is most appropriate to address each question. Equally shared are certain tensions. We should not be frightened by them, nor attempt at any cost to resolve them, but rather engage in ongoing synodal discernment. Only in this way can these tensions become sources of energy and not lapse into destructive polarizations. Thank you very much, everybody.